0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let me take a moment and talk to you about WinBet, the latest and greatest sports betting app on the market. The same five-star hotel service that you know and love is now in the digital betting space, providing an elite sportsbook and digital casino app. Whether you're betting on the NFL Divisional Playoff game in Green Bay or Tennessee or both, because why not? WinBet has you covered. Are you looking for other sports? WinBet has those as well. It's all right there for your WinBet app. And WinBet is also fully integrated with Win Rewards. That means by playing WinBet, you can accrue points to earn free credit in app and comp dollars towards perks at Win Resorts. Discounted hotel stays, priority dining and entertainment, free merch. It really is the best. Loyalty program in the industry. Call it a win win. Whether playing from your phone or your computer, you've absolutely got to sign up for WinBet ASAP. Bet with the best. Get into the game. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You do have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1 800
1: 522
0: 4700 is tom brady your mvp this year or is aaron Rodgers?
1: i think you should give it to both of them i mean think about it 37 and 44 year old guys are dominating the nfl today. <laughs> dominating the nfl today you you would have chuckled like that even harder if you would have said that 20 years ago like what a chill, It's not happening i just feel like if you don't give it to both of them you're kind of doing a disservice to the award
0: last week we kicked off a huge year on the original side hustle with one gigantic heads winning bets. And we're going even bigger this week because this week, I'm going to chop it up with a Pro Football Hall of Famer. My guest will be two-time NFL MVP and Niners legend Steve Young. Straight facts, Steve Young, one of the greatest to ever sling it, period. He was a part of three Lombardi Trophy winning squads in the Bay Area and bagged a Super Bowl MVP in the process. He's one of only nine players to ever win multiple regular season MVP awards. And he retired as the highest rated passer in the history of the league. Plus, he has been every bit as prolific in retirement, establishing himself as one of the best NFL analysts in the game, and a tremendous success in the business world. Simply put, the man brings insight and experience that you just will not find anywhere else. So let's not waste another second. Let's get right to the good stuff. It is episode 205 with Hall of Famer Steve Young, and it's coming at you right now. So Steve you said something recently that actually blew my mind and that's the fact that you've been in the private equity game longer than football now meaning that your second career is actually your first career I mean time is absolutely crazy isn't it I want to talk to you about your work as chairman of the board with integrity marketing group but first things first we haven't spoken in a moment or so so bring me up to date how are things how's your life
1: great kids are in college two in college two in high school and uh... I mean that's that's my life, and then the rest of it is uh trying to keep the ends together, like you like you were doing. I it's funny private equity. You know, as my dad when I was growing up, Jim, he said when I was going pro, he goes, "Well, what's the you know that's what's the plan? That's a dream." And uh, dad, it's I'm going pro. I mean, we're gonna be fine. Like, but the three year career average, you know, you got to be smart. You got to be. What's the plan? I go okay. I, I, the plan is if it doesn't work out, I'll go to law school. And so, as you guys probably know, I went to law school while I was playing through through three Super Bowls, the Super uh, 49ers went to. I was going to law school in the offseason, and that was partly just to make my dad happy because he kept telling me, what's the plan? What's the plan? And then here we are, you know, 20 years later after retiring and uh, and, I, you know, grateful for my dad to say, what's the plan? Because you got another half of your life left to go when you're when you're finished. So I appreciate I, it. This is a shout out to my dad more than anything, Jim.
0: And I appreciate that very much, Steve. Time is just, it's the craziest thing. And it's just a reminder that if you don't live every single day with a certain purpose and intention, the time will get away. Like, I'm just blown away by that, Steve, because as I mentioned, we're similar in age. We kind of came up together. And I remember having these conversations when you play the game. So this whole notion that this actually, this second career is your first career. Anyway, time to me is crazy.
1: That's crazy and it shocks you. It is. People that are out there that are 40, do not wait go it's like man life goes fast jeez it is
0: so true if you're 40 if you're 30 I tell my kids in college like they think they'll live forever like you and I thought that we would and yeah right. I mean, right. it's exactly. you, we could keep going on this topic but let's talk a little football before we talk some business given the nature of the rivalry Steve a rivalry that you experienced firsthand I'm curious what was it like for you to see the Niners go into Dallas and handle the Cowboys the way they did on Sunday
1: I, uh, you know, of course it's been some years, like we just talked about, but Dallas was a phenomenon. I mean, they were the, you know, it was us you know, it was like the super bowl. Whenever we played, it was a super bowl and everyone knew it. And so the dynamic around what Dallas took from me and what it gave to me are, uh, legendary in my mind. And, uh, and so anytime that the 49ers in Dallas play, regardless of the situation, it does bring up all of that uh kind of brings it forward and so it's like it makes it very much in, on the tip of your tongue all week so that's what i was spending the week kind of going through the 92 championship game which is where i always throw up in my mouth and i just feel like uh, you know it's the half of me that's just gonna wither and die and then the other part of it going through the 94 championship game and i was like oh that's the abundant life-giving thing that happened but all of them were were life and death it felt like and uh, so when the 49ers go in this weekend with you know in a playoff atmosphere so it is kind of life and death as far as just your season Uh, and they play you know what Jim they had they had a grit this is a team that's been through a lot this year they put themselves in a jam by uh, giving away two first round draft choices and going for a quarterback and essentially telling Jimmy you're not the answer and then have Jimmy stay around and then how Jimmy has dealt with that in such a productive way you got to give him tons of credit Trey's also just tried to figure out how to be productive and how Kyle, in my mind on Sunday, it was very obvious what an, what an excellent and above the line coach Kyle Shannon has, and, and really kind of That's what I took from Sunday's game is, my gosh, our coaching staff really outshined the the Cowboys.
0: Oh, He's a genius. Kyle Shanahan is an absolute genius. Mike McCarthy, not quite that. In fact, (laughs) I want to go back. Steve, you had a fascinating line just there. You you said that this is what Dallas gave to me, and this is what Dallas took away from me. I want to go back to that in a minute, but given the nature of the rivalry, what was it like for you to see the Cowboys call a quarterback draw with 14 seconds left and no timeouts from remaining at the end of the game. I don't know that anybody other than Mike McCarthy or somebody beneath him might dial that up. What were you thinking when you saw that?
1: Well, remember there's a lot, I mean, 14 penalties, they played poorly. Right. And they did. And then we talk about the grit that a team comes out of a locker room. You can smell the the unified, unified nature of a team. They can, you can see it, you can feel it. And, uh, and I saw the 49ers becoming that in the last month, especially and I knew they were going to be a tough out. When I saw the, the way that the Cowboys play, you can see that they're still missing that. They don't have that connective kind of, uh, you know, that that what, what, what do you call it? Just that the moral authority in the locker room that you have to have to kind of take care of business. And so what led up to that call was a lot of mis, misdeeds from the quarterback, from Dak, from play calling, from defense that we thought was going to be overwhelming because they have all the talent, the defensive front, uh, the 14 penalty. So all of a sudden you get there. Now you have miraculously because of the interception that Jimmy threw and then a, uh, an overthrow, you have a shot. I mean, just like a, it's a miracle that you're even in the spot. And now you're at the 40, you got yourself there really smartly. I thought now at the 40 of 14 seconds, everybody knows Jim that's played. 17 seconds is the, is the necessary cushion you need to run a play and then spike it anything less is on the edge and so you have 14 okay i would personally where they were at the 40 i'm taking two shots at the end zone i get two with 14 seconds and that's what i'm going to do they decided no we're going to run and try to get closer to get to one shot maybe instead of the 40 or the 20 or the 25 or the 30. the problem is is that with 14 seconds everybody knows that you're on the red you're on the edge and so, not only that, to exacerbate the issue, when you end up with the ball in your hand in that kind of situation, everyone should know that you have to get it to the referee because the ball cannot be put in play until he touches it. So get it to him. And they didn't do that. They ran in as, as if they could start the play. He kept telling the off, you know, the center, take the ball, snap it. Like then the, finally the referee comes through, the umpire has to come through, and he's coming through next to the center. Because he's trying to help him out. Like, usually he would go around. He's like, I got to go through here. I got to help him. Then he had to touch it. By then, it was all, it was gone. And so to me, it was foible upon foible upon foible that didn't give them at least that last shot in the end zone.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Jordan Harbinger Show. Hey, you want a new podcast to look forward to every single week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Of course you do. The average podcast listener has six shows in rotation, so you're most likely not just listening to the Jim Rohn podcast. And that's totally fine. In fact, let me suggest a podcast that you should add to your list. It's the Jordan Harbinger Show, a top-shelf podcast named Best of Apple in 2018. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people from athletes, authors, and scientists to mobsters, spies, hostage negotiators, and more. He's got this incredible talent for getting his guests to share never-been-heard-before stories and thought-provoking insights. Without fail, he is able to pull out tactical bits of wisdom in every single episode, all with the noble cause to make you a more informed, critical thinker to better operate in today's complicated world. What I'm saying is Jordan is one of the goats when it comes to podcasting, and he has got one of the most highly rated self-development shows out there right now. Point blank. This dude is smart. He's funny. He is easy to listen to. You will find actionable advice that can improve your life directly. You cannot go wrong with adding the Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It is incredibly interesting. There is never a dull show. Search for the Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So, Steve, everybody who had to know, I mean, of the guys who had to know, nobody knew, but everybody else knew, and yet they were still quick to point the fingers at the referees after the fact. I mean, it was just a disaster. I I was,
1: Jim, I was supremely disappointed in Dak after the game. Right, I was too. To leave said and unsaid things that allowed, look, everybody, when something devastating happens, and I've been there, you just talked about it in some of these games, and if you walk in and you're going to find the mitigation for what happened, you will never be who you want to be. If you're going to find the accountability, you're going to have an, like a prop- prop- propulsion to what you want to be. And so there's that moment when in the end, the, the ref, everyone did their job except for you, because you need to know that that ball needs to get the referee and get the snap, that it's on you. And, and to own it in that moment would have been very powerful for Dak. And to have him when they talked about, the bottles being thrown at the referees and kind of tacitly say, that's cool. That is not cool. And, uh, I can't say that more strongly.
0: Honestly, Steve, I agree with you. And I have always been extremely high on Dak, his toughness, his character, his moral fiber. hundred percent.
1: It's a mistake. He'll, he'll regret it because he's a tough minded, really strong leader. He's a, that's the point. He is the leader of that team that he speaks for that team. And that's a, that's a sacred role. But that's why he'll. I think he'll regret that. Maybe in the near, near term, he'll he'll try to correct it, hopefully, in the next few days. Hopefully
0: so. I would think so. So you have three rings, and you led the Niners to one yourself. You're a two-time MVP, but one of your defining moments is something we touched on earlier. It's when you led the Niners over the Cowboys in the 94 NFC title game. You had suffered a severe neck injury, and then that was a very different time. What did you have to do to make that happen? Because obviously, availability is your great ability, but... That was a really, really significant thing you had to yeah. go through to get there. What did that you do?
1: Such a, such a stupid thing too, because we were just fiddling around before practice, and Richard Dent ran into me as I was tying my shoe, um, uh, and that's what got it started. But it was, it was a problem overnight, and uh, that's all kind of the shots of anti-inflammatories and painkillers, and just trying to get the mobility in your neck so you can turn and uh, look to the right and see an out route, you know, and find a corner. Uh, that was just. But I, I look, Jim. I think that like Matthew Stafford was playing with an injury last week and he never said a word about it. Uh, I brought it up in an interview with him. He's like, yeah, you know, guys that play a long time, know that you can't belabor what's wrong. You got to focus on what's right and make it happen. And if you're, again, it goes back to the situation. We just talked about mitigation and accountability. If you're looking for mitigation and all the reasons why things aren't working or why they can't work or why something's wrong in football with 50 guys, there is a book written every day on mitigation. And if you're going to concentrate on that, you're you're finished. And so I think that's in my mind, I look back and I forgot when I, I wrote my book about that experience and I completely forgot about the neck huh. because it because it like it couldn't matter. You know what I mean? It's like it couldn't matter. So then it didn't matter. And uh, you did what you did. And, and, and if it hadn't won the game or something went wrong, the last thing you can ever say to yourself is, oh, my neck. It's just not the way to go.
0: It's an amazing thing. Like, the culture of the thing, Steve, is so different. Like, I guess I guess nobody wants to hear about it, and nobody really cares, but it's a real thing. I mean, you're out there literally risking your life, and especially now. The game is played so differently. As an example, you had a conversation with Tom Brady recently about what it's like to play quarterback right now. What did he tell you?
1: You know, we laughed uh, about in the 20 years that he's been playing and since I left because he kind of started playing right when I finished uh and we've kept touch uh throughout the years and the way he described it is the flats are open like you know i, I guess i would start by saying this one jim when i when i went pro people say what's the difference between college and the pros and i would say in college every receiver is open and and in the pros no one's open that's <laughs> that's how i described it right like, that's how it worked and i think Tom would appre- would would agree with that kind of statement maybe 20 years ago. Today, because the game has become so much more college-like because of safety issues, rule changes, unfair uh, uh, issue, I mean unfair uh, uh, kind of level of playing field with defenses. Um, uh, players and coaches have limited time together because of the CBA. You know, it's very college-like spring ball and a summer camp. And so, because of that, the game has been forced, and then people can't launch it. The flats are open. That's what Tom said. The flats are open. You always have an outlet, always the middle of the field is unpatrolled. Like it's no longer it used to be if you were in the middle of the field between the hashes as a receiver and as a quarterback, it was a place where you, you know, nobody went unprepared and really without knowing exactly what they are, what they're doing. You just get yourself not only hurt, but you get yourself intercepted. You get all kinds of chaos happens inside there. It's just it's unpatrolled now because safeties can't launch, they can't do the things they did before. And then the third thing he said was, no one can hit you. I mean, you don't realize what that really, what it gives you as a sense of confidence that because no one's coming and they can take you out, you have, you you it just changes their mentality, your mindset. And that's why the game is coming more and more to quarterbacks and what they're capable of doing, what they're available. And the guys that are experienced who have the rigor in their mind of how tough it is, and how, like, you know, the, the Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady's guys have been around a long time, and, and Matthew Stafford's they know that they can take advantage of those changes. I, I always say that Peyton Manning retired what six years ago. I, I, I'm overstating it, but I think Peyton Manning wouldn't recognize the NFL as it is. That's how fast it's been changing.
0: Steve, I, I would imagine hearing him, Tom Brady, lay out exactly what it's like right now to play quarterback, you probably are thinking to yourself, man, that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good to me. What a great way to play the game. Like Aaron Rodgers, to your point, is another guy that takes advantage of it. I, I'm really, I'm fascinated whenever you talk about young quarterbacks and the way the game has changed right now. Aaron Rodgers actually is an older guy with an older mind who has seen everything, done everything, but he plays the game the way the new breed plays the game, right? He gets off his spot, he gets out, he moves around. I'm curious, what do you you make of Aaron Rodgers playing at the level that he is at 37, and especially the way he does play the game this late in his career.
1: So, because of what I just described, he should be thinking about another contractor four or five years. Wow. And whoever that's going to be with. Because you don't you don't take the beating. You're protected in many ways. And because the ball's coming out, the flats are open, the, m- the middle's unpatrolled, there's so much more opportunity to get the ball out of your hands you're not stuck with it. And then every once in a while when you are, unlike Tom, he can get out and go. He still can do it. He can spit out 50 yards rushing if he needed to anytime. And so in that way, it's the ultimate weapon right now. And that's why he's so he's become strangely as he gets older, he's becoming more dangerous because of what I just described the changes that have happened. The the game is coming, especially if you have some some it's coming to Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and and, uh, you know, it has been for Russell Wilson or, or or anyone else that can move the game's coming to them. But for a guy that's been around who was trained in a more difficult era, that's when you, you know, your your mind is uh, that much more keener. You're it's uh, it's not as, I, I won't call it an unfair fight, but it's a reason why you can continue to play and be and be very and, and win an MVP like Tom's about to do at 44 years old. Th- that was impossible. That was impossible 20 years ago. But today, because of what 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 you what I just described, it is possible, and that maybe forty five, because you don't you that you're not challenged in the in the physical way you used to be. And the thing is, the ball's coming out because more people are open. It's more college like than it's ever been. It's it's still highly competitive, super fast game, but the but the sophistication Jim has, you know, reduced significantly.
0: This podcast is brought to you by TV Stream. I love this product. I use it. Now, let me ask you this. Does this sound familiar? You've got the one device that allows you to catch the game live, another one that lets you stream your favorite programs, you watch sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbors, best friends, log in for all the good stuff. Listen, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without all that hassle. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there is no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Steve, I want to talk to you about integrity in one minute. You mentioned Tom Brady winning an MVP at 44. Is is Tom Brady your MVP this year or is Aaron Rodgers?
1: I think you should give it to both of them. I really do. It's one of those co-things. In honor of what, they've, what they're what they doing for their teams, what they're doing for the league, there's no one else. I mean, think about it. 37 and 44-year-old guys are dominating the NFL team. <laughs> dominating the nfl today you you would have chuckled like that even harder if you would have said that 20 years ago like i a to chill it's not happening and they they are you would have said you're talking about a 44 mvp i just feel like if you don't give it to both of them you're you're kind of doing a disservice to the award i know you have to choose somebody i'm okay with that but i i, I there have been co MVPs in the past but the problem is they got to figure out how to have the vote come up even that's hard to do with the number of votes they have they got they got they have to have to look at the uh you know, open the envelopes early or something. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, no,
0: I mean, I'm not chuckling at the notion that they should share it. I'm chuckling at the notion that these guys are that dominant at that age. Right. I mean, you're right. It's absolutely no, no, incredible. I, no, I, don't, I know incredible. that's you were
1: thinking. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Steve, and that, you... I mean, that tells you a lot about the NFL today, that it can be dominated. And there's no reason why that – t- Matthew Stafford, uh, who's who I, I really believe will prove to – People think, ah, he he can't win the big one. Well, you know, he already won a playoff game. But what he did, and in, in, they should put a, a, a statue outside the Detroit uh, Lions because he did something that no one's done is is pull the Detroit Lions forward for 12, you know, 11, 12 years. So I think with Matthew in the playoffs, Tom in the playoffs, and Aaron in the playoffs, I, I, and one of them is going to be in the Super Bowl. It is an it's it's an amazing thing.
0: Steve, you were there for that Monday night matchup, so you saw it up close. I really want to ask you, like when we're talking about these new age quarterbacks, I would have said, and I'm not giving up on him in any way. I'm like, I'm really fascinated with Kyler Murray. I'm a little disappointed on a lot of levels too, but I thought that midseason – He was your MVP. I certainly think that he's one of the most unique and electric athletes I have ever seen in my life, yet he imploded completely on Monday night against the Rams. You were there. What do you make of how he looked, and what does he have to do to take that next step as both a player and a leader of that franchise?
1: Like for most quarterbacks, Jim, you have to start with the help that you get. And and I think that that offense is haphazard, I'll call it. And really relies on kyler to do a lot of very sophisticated things which you know we saw him on monday night right before thanksgiving right after where they were the, at the peak i think they were 10 and 2 and you look at the film and you're like this guy is a really solid you know i always say guys that can move around are they runners who can throw or are they sophisticated passers who can run and i was saying he's on his way to the ladder he's on his way to the guy that and, and so i think that what's happened is that like Patrick Mahomes earlier in the year it happened to him later in the year the league says hey what no more we're not putting up with that anymore we're going to zone you up we're going to slow you down we're going to force you to be patient we're going to force you to do everything in a more sedate way and 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 in doing so you're going to you're either going to fail or you're going to grow and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs grew and you can now see it they're more dangerous than they've ever been because of what they went through in that lull earlier in the season where it happened later for the for the Cardinals and they're not out of it yet the league has a plan for them, and it's slowing down Kyler Murray, and not allowing him to do what he'd been doing for 12 weeks. And so, the league that's how much the league has changed, Jim, is because you see what Kyler's been able to do coming out of college. Look, you know, Kyler had ran that offense in, in college. Well, it's just running in the pros. Same with Lamar. Let's just do it, and they can have success. Yes, they can, but can they be championship players? Not until they become sophisticated passers. And hmm. that's why Kyler needs to continue that development. I have a lot of faith in Kyler getting there because I can see the roots of it more so than others. But when you see the playoffs and what they're doing, they're in a bad spot with their offense and they've got to make changes to help make it. Like they don't get the free yards that Tom Brady's talking about in the flats. They don't have easy crossing routes, the easy stuff. It's a very degree of difficulty that offense is high and I think they just got to make it like like Kyle Shanahan. He makes the degree of difficulty for the quarterback as low as possible, and they've got to make that change.
0: All right, Steve. One last quarterback comment or question. Where then does Joe Burrow fit into this conversation? Another very unique young talent. Where do you put him?
1: Joe Burrow has the grit and the and the sophistication. I just there is really no no ceiling right now for Joe Burrow. I uh, I like what I even. It's not, that's not going to happen overnight. Maybe it will, maybe it'll happen next three weeks, but I get a feeling that Joe Burrow is the, the answer of many questions about what the Bengals have been through for 30, 40 years. And he can, do much, maybe much better than even Matthew Stafford did for Detroit, take a place that's been really, really difficult to be successful and turn it into one of the more successful franchises in in the league in the next 10 years. That's what Joe's that's the capability of Joe Burrow. And it's more than just throwing and playing quarterback. It's just who he is. I think has the ability to really kind of transform the Bengals.
0: So Steve, let's circle all the way back to what you said at the very top there. Your father said to you, yeah, well, what's the backup plan? What's the backup plan? (laughs) Come to find out the backup plan worked out pretty well. Not only did you get that law degree, you are the chairman of the board of a company called Integrity. First of all, what does the company do? And then secondarily, what's the second part of your career been like compared to the first?
1: Uh, Well, second part, the first, private equity is very much like, an env- locker room environment. It's very competitive. It's a lot of things that I res- that resonated with me when I was playing. But you'll never, Jim. Let's be you know. It took every inch of myself physical, emotional, spiritual. Every bit of myself was poured into being a, a good to great NFL quarterback. And it was. It took every inch of myself. And so when you retire, it's a it's like you fall off a cliff, and you and you and you have to pick yourself up. And I remember. Roger Staubach, I was asking him about what to do. He says, "Run." I'm like, "What do you mean, run? You're like, just keep go, go." And in that many ways, that's what happens because you one day you were one of the best in the world at doing something, and the next day you're not good at anything. And so some of that is humility and kind of kind of figuring out how to start over. But transitioning from the pro the pro game is, I mean, for the NFL, it's really tough because you don't find anything, and people crave that 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 thing that asks so much of you and they keep trying to recreate it. And that's not going to happen. Private equity is not recreating playing quarterback for the 49ers. Like (laughs) you have to leave it. It's gone, done, finished it, not bury it, but you have to leave it and run like Roger Staubach. Don't wait around for people to come talk to you about it. Like it's fine to talk about, but don't you wait around for it? Like go. And so that's what I just started. I started doing and got into direct investing about 2002 and I've been doing it for now 20 years. And there's a lot of things that are like it's like it's people and it's getting people to feel a sense of uh um, you know it's all about control a lot of my my life is now trying to negotiate control what you need what i need how we kind of think about it guys that have never given control in their whole lives that have carved it out themselves entrepreneurs or or founders that have done it all by themselves and they didn't want they never wanted a partner that was why they started themselves so their personalities are not built for it but then you have to start from scratch and try to figure out a way to become a partner. And so a lot of that is what I used, the psychology. I used the quarterback to try to get Jerry excited. I had to talk to Jerry different than I talked to Brent Jones, to John Taylor, to Ricky Waters. I mean, everybody's different, and you got to figure out a way to, to incent them in that in their own unique ways. And so in that way, the, the job is the same. Integrity for as a business is a an insurance marketing organization. You think about um kind of the best parts of the end of your life where it's like senior living um all kinds of those products they develop those products but the thing that i think that you you're asking me about is what happened is the ceo of that business brian adams came to me about two years ago and said look steve i think one of the problems with corporate america is that we're not giving equity to the employees we continue to have a transactional relation with employees where i pay you you do your job but nobody gets to be a part of the growth of the business I want to give them equity. I want to have them owners. I want them, my employees, to be owners alongside and sit at the table with me. And I thought, let's do it. And he did it. And that money that he that that equity that he gave them a couple of years ago in a transaction we just finished put 125 million dollars back into the 5,000 employees. And so it's just my I guess why I'm willing to say that because I don't need any. I'm not touting any horn. What I want is a model for people out there that are running businesses that one of the solutions to a lot of our problems today is to build equity and ownership and a sense of shared ownership with employee base. I think it's something that we, I want people to know integrity because I want them to know it as a model. I really appreciate what Brian did. And I think that's worth just saying it here, Jim, on your platform, just saying people go, huh, I never thought about that. That really would be, change the it would change the dynamic. Remember when, you know Jim, you know this, back in like the late eighties, we went on a, a strike for the NFL in 1987. And I had a picket sign. Walking around, my dad almost disowned me. And I remember that uh, someone of the owners, I want to say the Giants owner, I'm not sure, said, don't the players understand? We're the owners and they're the chattel. Uh-oh. Well, I went to law school. I know what that means. right? And you don't, that's not cool, right? That is not cool at all. But that was the spirit of how they saw their employees. And then Eddie Bartle comes along and says, no, 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 we're family. And changed the nature of the relationship with the players. And now 30 years later, with the CBA and the arrangements, now they're in a great profit share. And you, would you agree? Players and owners are now partners because of the many owners, and they'll see it that way. And so, I guess the same thing that resonates with me there resonates me resonates me with me in this situation with integrity is that we can create a partnership that will resonate far into the future than just one business or one, one, one equity grant or anything else. So anyway, my my two cents as I connect the things that happened to me in football to, to my second life.
0: Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you are buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it... Ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Well, Trapper, what's your beef? Even for you, as gifted as you are, you know, mentally, physically and everything all in, you just said it. It's not easy to go from being one of the best at something to not knowing how to do anything at all. And that transition is so challenging. And then the whole point about, okay, like Brian Adams, really quickly, who is he exactly? What's his story?
1: So he's a guy that started a business like, and, and he wanted to serve kind of senior living in the insurance market. And it's like, you know, like anybody who was like, I really want to, you know, do, be great. And so he started kind of buying up uh, other uh, shops around the country to kind of build a platform to uh, and shared services so that, you know, people could share the accounting and the HR and all this stuff and kind of essentially give them a, you know, de- de-risk it for a lot of people out in the in the world to give them some equity and give them some money. And we'll just build a bigger, greater platform. And he's done it. And then he moved to Dallas and now they're out of Dallas. And he's he's a guy that just started saying, you know what, I've really been successful. This is awesome. But the next thought he had was, what could I do to make other people successful? And it, rather than just pay them, because that's what it's always been. The, the, the mindset is you're an employee, what do I need to pay you to do your job? And whatever that is, it's not a dollar more, dollar less. I'll pay you. It's transactional, and in that transaction, there's something that just becomes zero-sum game. But if all of a sudden he thought about, it, he said, you know what? I'm looking for partners, and these employees, every day they come in, they're doing a great job. They they're building they're building the growth of the business. What if I made them come along with me? And that's the fundamental principle that I think is an amazing thing that he did. And should be allotted for it. And that's why, to me, Jim, I, I, I again, this is not about, oh, Steve, yeah, I'm both. I could care. I, I, honestly, this is really about, I want people to know about what's possible, because I think it makes a significant difference out in the world.
0: I know exactly what you're saying. What you're saying is not, hey, look at me, look at what we did. What you're saying is there's a model here that's effective yes. and transferable, and it might work someplace else. And I do appreciate 100%. that a lot. And it, worked,
1: and it worked with the NFL. What Remember? Remember when they had the problem with the the referees and I said to myself, they're not partners. Until you make them partners, you're going to have these problems. And so until they, and once the partner, once the people, once the players became partners with owners, the NFL is now unstoppable. I think not for that fundamental reason. Players and owners are more partners. They still think that's not perfect, but because there's more of a sense of partnership, that's where, that's the rock of the NFL. That's why it's going to be difficult to beat.
0: Hmm. See, one last thought you mentioned, just in passing, you mentioned like you had to relate to the other guys in the locker room. Like you had to talk to Jerry Rice one way, John Taylor another way. I mean, I, I remember those teams. They were such amazing personalities. I remember talking to so many guys on that team, Roger Craig, I thought was incredible to talk to. I remember sitting down and having a TV interview, Steve, early in the 90s with Harris Barton, and I was blown away by how interesting he was. Yeah, right? Like super, super guy. I'm curious, as a quarterback, when you've got so many diverse personalities and there's so many guys from different backgrounds, that, of course, is what makes it work and in some ways doesn't work. But if you're the face of the franchise and you're leading from the front, how in the world did you go about trying to relate to and connect with all these different guys with all these different backgrounds? It's got to be an art to that, right?
1: It is, there is. An, I remember psychology. I didn't major in psychology in college, but I should have because if you want to have a great quality – that quarterbacks need is psychology and be able to have uh, a lot of different gears and different kind of ways to engage people and be very diverse in how you do it because if you just think you're going to do- deal with everyone the same way and it was really bill walsh that started me thinking about how to do this better he's the one that stood up in the first meeting at uh, a training camp and said look i'm looking to integrate this team and we're all black and white guys were like oh well that's integrating racially we get that but he said, no, it's way more than that. It's it's everything that separates us. And his theory was that if I can create some common shared experiences amongst everyone, cross-fertilized on everyone on the team, that I can, you know, whether you're in the lock, lunchroom, the locker room, or the bus, or the plane, or the hotels, he wanted to force interaction. There'd be times the quarterbacks, I remember in two days, we'd come for the lunch, and then we'd get our tray, and we'd sit down, because all the quarterbacks sat together, because it was comfortable. That's who we knew. It wasn't against anybody else, it's just your, your, your guys. And he'd come in and say, like out, and he'd make you pick up your tray and walk over and sit with someone they didn't know as well. And then in that conversation, you create that 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 connection. And he talked about it as shared love. He wanted us to love each other. And we all remember, I remember us chuckling. We're like, oh, that's funny. And football players, you know. But he, he was very uh, upfront about it. He says, if I can get you guys to have that sense of in- uh, integration and that shared common experiences... That no matter what the socioeconomic background, geography, language, where you went to school, what position you play, all the things that slightly separate us or greatly separate us in race and anything else. What if we could just create a space where we all felt as one? Because he said, we, and I remember this vividly, he goes, we're going to be in Lambeau Field. It's going to be 30 to de- 33 degrees. I mean, I'm sorry, you go 30 degrees and still raining, which is impossible, but for whatever reason, it always happens at Lambeau. It's 30 degrees and still raining. You're soaking what You've never been colder in the wind. We're down by four. We got a minute 10 left and we're on our own 20 and we got to go 80 yards. And I want you guys to be in the huddle and be able to look at each other and sense the sense of commitment. And and he would say love for each other because that's how we're going to get it done. And so for me, that's that's how I started to think about How I talked to Jerry Rice or Brent Jones or Ricky Waters or and we we weren't great we weren't perfect we failed with Charles Haley, we failed with Ricky Waters both guys left and cost us maybe Super Bowls, because we didn't we didn't do a very good job of that but. Generally, we were two or three generations ahead, and that's thanks to Bill Walsh and what he taught me.
0: Steve, can you? I think that's fascinating. Really quickly, can you explain this to me? And I'm not really sure why this is, but those two guys you just mentioned, Ricky Waters and Charles Haley, whatever. I'm just a media guy. But you know what? I did really well with both those guys, and they both did really well with me, and Haley especially, because that's just a different cat altogether. Amazing player, but a different cat. Do you have a theory on that? They would come on the show and i love talking to them and they like doing it
1: i i, I think that we don't appreciate I and mean, charles has uh, chronicled his his mental right. health issues and yes. being, getting the help and and changing his whole persona i mean i charles you i, I mean charles is one of my best well not he's, well, we don't see each other very much but we're very very friendly now because it's just he's a phenomenal human being and i think that in, in many ways that's that sense of partnership that where we, were, where we were two or three generations ahead, Bill used to talk about mental health, he used to talk about marriage counseling, he used to talk about uh, what you ate and how you slept and stuff that we now take very much for granted. The NFL and even the NBA and others are using all these metrics to try to figure out how to be optimized. Bill was just kind of generally thinking about, it, had no way to actually enact it. And so that's why I say the failures we had, I think it's important we kind of recognize for all the successes, because we had hundreds of successes because of the way Bill taught about it. I bring up two just because you got to be honest with yourself because some of the two biggest mistakes we ever made was to trade or let Charles Haley go to the Cowboys in 1991. You bet. I mean, I was just, what in the world are we doing? And then to let Ricky waters go after 94, when we didn't really respond, we did not respond to the running back for three or four years. And that, in that time, you have a super bowl ready team that needs needs a runner. And, uh, and, and we can say, uh, you know, for, and I, that's why I say, it's not their fault. It's our fault. It's not Ricky's fault. It's not Charles's fault. It's our fault because we didn't get it kind of put together in a way that kind of created a space for everyone to be successful and abundant.
0: I I was fascinated by both those guys as players and guys. And now a message from Discover about customer service and common sense. When you have credit card questions, it is nice to have them answered by a real person, you know, somebody who can actually understand your issues and work to resolve them. In other words, what you don't need is a robot. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. No wonder we call it live customer service. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Final thoughts, Steve. I want to make this point clear, too. I do—we do a lot of work with BYU in terms of content. Like, they avail their coaches and players. I love that program. I I do really well with the program, and I'm fascinated by the program and the grit and the heart and all the things that make it so unique. Like, when you're the quarterback and you were just explaining, if I could get a degree in psychology and find a way to relate to all these guys because our backgrounds are so different, your background was very different. What was it like for you to play there? And then, I mean, were there other like-minded people with similar backgrounds backgrounds to yours? I mean, is there anything really like playing ball and going to college at BYU compared to everything else in the locker room?
1: Well, I think most of anything, you can have a perception from outside, but there's also the reality inside. And the reality inside is that the spirit of the place was very much how Bill Walsh thought about the world. That was the guys I played with. And when I got back to the 49ers after being in Tampa Bay, starting with the Express, as you you remember those days, when I got to the 49ers and how Bill spoke, it reminded me, it was very familiar. To how I felt about things at BYU. From the outside, I'm sure a lot of people can have different ideas of what it must have been like or thought of. But to me, I I thought it was very open and very uh, collaborative and uh, uh, that spirit of abundance. And so when I got to the 49ers, I, I, it really felt eminently the same. And it was like, oh, I, I this is familiar to me. This is how I think we should, be treating each other and how we should be and the reason why I think you're successful with BYU folks is that their intent is to try to you know uh, be very proactive and thoughtful and just to keep leaning in to being vulnerable and trying to figure out better ways to do it and uh, that's not mean they're perfect far from it but they've got you know the effort effort and the spirit especially I give Tom Omo, my old he's the athletic director Jim as you know he's my old teammate at the 49ers and my teammate is the defensive captain at BYU. Right and now, he's back at BYU, and they're as far as forward-thinking athletic departments on every issue. On every issue, uh, they're really doing well, and I, I really applaud Kalani what he's doing with the football team, what to, uh, what to, uh, Tom's doing, and I think it's the vulnerability to recognize flaws of the past and leaning in to how to move things forward, not just for yourself but for everybody. I, I think there's a spirit of that that Tom's brought.
0: I think so. I love Kalani. I love talking to Kalani. I like what he's all about. I like what that program's about. We have great conversations. I'll tell you what, Steve, we covered a lot of grand. I want to tell you how much I appreciate you and the time spent. I watched you last night. I know you are extremely busy. I think, though, the integrity gift of $125 million in cash and company ownership, I think it's really interesting. Give the employees some equity. It changes the dynamic. I'm glad you could explain that. And most of all, I'm really glad that you and I could finally get caught up once again. Steve, thank you so much for a great, great conversation.
1: Jim, it's funny how through the years, you know, we've talked to each other maybe 10, 15 times, but there's a relationship, there's a friendship, and I appreciate you. And every time we speak, you bring things out of me that I hadn't really thought about before. I haven't even like it's like I, I hope someone taped this because I just I said stuff I you know I wasn't so I that's that's a sign of uh, you know a great relationship is that we bring out the best in each other. I hope that's the case.
0: Hey, listen any conversation with steve young is going to be worth the time but that certainly was next level and exactly what this side hustle is all about raw unfiltered, and extended conversations that you just can't get and won't find anywhere else. Steve Young not only brings one-of-a-kind insight on the current NFL, but he's got a unique perspective on how the game has evolved to this point, and he held nothing back in that conversation. So my big thanks to him for making the time and bringing straight fire. If you're looking for more insightful chats just like that one, we have a lot more on the way and, in fact, a lot more behind you. In fact, more than 200 episodes just like that one and episode 206, which drops next week. So you can get ahead of that by taking a second and smashing the subscribe button. That way, each episode will find its way right to you and you don't have to go looking for it once it becomes live. So if you don't mind, and I would really appreciate this, take a second and do that. And in the meantime, I'm going to hit you with your voicemails.
2: First new message.
0: What's up, Vance Maggot's
2: Brady. I just want to say thank you for that jungle karma. Bill's Mafia definitely appreciated that. And if we could just get some more for this upcoming game against KC, that'd be great. I know Andy Reid's probably trying to get a couple buckets. So hook us up, Rome. Thanks. Message saved. Next message.
3: What's up? It's Dr. Dave. The Bills had more touchdown passes than incompletions. What a fucking great performance by Josh Allen. Get the hoodie the fuck out of here. You might even get me to jump through a table now, but I would put myself uh, at risk for damaging my health. As long as there's other people around there who have their COVID vaccine, I'd be perfectly fine by that. Later, bitches. Bills to the Super Bowl. Bills mafia forever. What up to my boy, Rich. Later.
2: Message saved. Next message.
3: Romy, Mike and Snowbird. How you doing? Man, am I sick of that crap from the guy Dave who calls himself a doctor. Dr. Phil type doctor, which is not at all. Anyway, for big head hate, it's not ec specially all right? You're not three. It's especially.
2: Message saved. Next message.
3: Hey, Jim. Kevin from the Bay here. Called you a little over a year ago with a nice little parody ditty. Thought I'd do an encore. One, two, three. You know Victor and Silk Bra, Left and the B.I.C., but do you recall the most infamous clone of all? Larry the red-faced moron has a very shiny nose, loves to sing karaoke, even if his songs really blow. All of the other clones used to laugh and call him names, they never let poor Larry join in any smack-off games, then one foggy Christmas Eve, that smack came to say, Larry, with your face so bright, won't you host my show tonight? Then how all the clones loved him, as they shouted out with glee, Larry the Red
2: Message deleted. Next message.
3: Romy, Justin, and Melbourne. Mike McCarthy's clock management skills are about as smooth as Flight Deck's pronunciation of the English language.
2: Message saved. You have no more messages.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever. Or I can conquer it.